Good morning. It's uh, it's good to be here, and it's good to be able to look into the Word of God. Um, one of the the things that challenges me personally, knowing that I was sharing this morning, there are so many things that seem to once I started looking at something, it takes me from one place to the other. I was looking at Psalm 71 and then I ended up in Psalm 27, but I'm sure most of us are familiar with. And then I recognized maybe this is the better way to go. Deal with Psalm 27 first and then go into the Psalm 71. But David was known as the man after God's own heart. And yet he was a man that was challenged when it came to making right decisions. But what was different with him was any time that he was uh, approached by anything that he did wrong, he was willing to confess his sin and to turn from it. And uh, all of us, at one point or the other in our lives, have come to a place where we see it as a dark spot in our lives. We had a situation that was difficult for us. And the good thing about when you're in places like that is when you know whose you are. You belong to God, and you know whatever happens, God is going to work it out, providing, and I like to make this very clear, providing you are walking in His way, in accordance with His word. Because sometimes, and, and I'm sure you, 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 there are those who name it and claim it, once you name it, no matter what kind of life you live in, uh, they expect God to do it. But God is not obligated to do what you want him to do if you are not walking in his way. And Psalm 27 has really brought this home to me afresh as I looked at it uh, this morning. 4 a.m. in the morning I was looking at this. Uh, let's begin to read. Um, Psalm 27 verse 1 The Lord is my light and my salvation The Lord is the stronghold of my life Of whom shall I be afraid Let's stop right there for a few moments and look at this a little closer The first thing that jumps out at me is the fact that the Lord is my life. Didn't say the Lord is your life. We have to be able to say from the inner man, the Lord is my life, my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Because there are those who are walking in his way 
that can say this, but you can be born again into the family of God, but you're doing your own thing. Okay? But he says, the Lord is my life. And look with me at Psalm, 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 29. It says, and I quote, You, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. In other words, no matter how dark your situation might seem to be, if you are walking with him, if you are doing his will, if you are following him, then he turns that darkness into light. Because he is the light of the world. There is no darkness with him. But you have to be under the shadow of his wing in order to experience that light. But it goes on and says something else. Not only is he our light, but he is my salvation. And that's the, I, I, I want to say he is your salvation, but I, I, I don't can speak for myself. We need to say he is my salvation. He is my light. He is my salvation. That's, that's something that we must be able to hold on to. Again, Exodus chapter 15, verse 2 says, The Lord is my strength. He is my defender. He, God is God is not only your strength, but He is there to defend you, protect you. And it goes on to say, He has become my salvation. He will deliver you. Salvation doesn't only mean being born again in the family of God. You can have salvation to get you out of a situation that you found yourself in. He is our deliverer. He is our strength. He has become, it says, my salvation. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say in the same verse, He is my God and I will praise Him. I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. Now I stopped there long enough to really think this particular portion through. It says my father's God. Now we gotta be careful that we don't use our earthly father as the one that we are talking about because that may not be true for some of us. Okay? But when he's talk when he talks here about his father, he was talking about the father, forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <clears throat> he says, my father's God. So we got to be careful when we say my father's God, because you got to know who your father was serving. Because all of us, our fathers weren't serving the God of the universe. So we want to make sure that we understand that. He says, my father's God and I will exalt him. So 
the whole idea is we need to make sure that we exalt our Lord. Verse 2. It says, when, and this, this, is, this is the assurance now, when we are walking with him, when we know that he is our light and our salvation, when we know that we are walking in accordance with his divine will for our life, when we are following his word, then we can look up. Let me go back to verse 1 because uh, 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 I'm getting ahead of myself. There's something else that stands out in verse 1 for me. It says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. He is not only my light and my salvation, but he is the stronghold of my life. He is the one that we can run into and hide. He is the one that is able to keep us from falling. He is the one that gives us strength. Psalm 9 verse 9 says, and I quote, The Lord is a refuge for the uphold, for the uphold, or for the oppressed, the stronghold in the time of trouble. So those of us who are, are oppressed, God is going to be there for us. Now, if we're not careful, we can get to the place where Satan brings back things that you might have done while you were unsaved, while you were walking in the world and say, what, you think God is going to handle you in this situation, handle this situation for you? You know what you did back there? Well, the scripture that comes to my mind whenever he does that to me, and he does it. Because before I trusted the Lord, my personal Savior, I was far from being anything near to walking with God. And there are scores of things that Satan will bring to my mind when I say I'm depending on scriptures like this, when I say I'm depending on God. So, oh, you, God, you think God forget what you did back then? But what reminds me and bring solace to my innermost being is the verse of scripture that says if your heart condemns you, he, God, is greater than your heart. So even though I may feel condemned, it's not about me or my feeling. You hear what I'm saying? It isn't about how I feel. It's what the Word of God says. The Lord has forgiven. Yes. Yes. We are blessed, but still in our thought, we sometimes dwell on things of the past. And we feel that, oh, God is holding that over my head. But he says, when he forgives us and takes away our sin, he casts it away from us as far as the east is from the west. 
And not only that, he goes on to say, he put it in the sea of forgetfulness. I don't even know where that is. And I don't know of any man who knows where the sea of forgetfulness is, but God knows. And that's where he puts it. And he doesn't remember it anymore. We can't know where it is. No, because we'll go dig it up. Yeah, but we will dig it. We will dig it up. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's not, not God's uh, 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 intention for us to know that. But the fact is, the Lord is a refuge for those who are oppressed and the stronghold in time of trouble. Now, again, one of the things that I have discovered with people coming to me for help is in many cases I find that they only run to the Lord when they're in trouble. As long as everything is going all right, you don't see that. But when trouble comes, ding-a-ling-ling, phone rings, uh, I'd like to make an appointment. And then they, and I say, what's happening now? And I say it on purpose like that, because normally I won't hear anything. But they will come when they're in trouble. God is not a band-aid. You don't use God as a medicine cabinet, in other words. You don't, when you get a headache, you dash to the medicine cabinet and you get an excedrin tablet, right? To get rid of the headache. God is not like that. God wants us to be the same way we seek him when we are in trouble. We should be seeking him when all is going well and not only seeking him, but giving him praise and thanks for what he has done and what he is doing. So let's move on. Ah, well, let's, the next couple words in this verse 1 says, ah, The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If God is your stronghold, who should you be afraid of? If God is in control, and he is, Sometimes we may feel as if he is not, because things are not going the way we would like to see it go. But the fact is, if he has control, if you give him control of your life, because that's where the problem is, you know. Someone says, look, he says, I know that the Lord has all of me, but I don't know. I know, I know that I have all of the Lord, but I don't know how much of me the Lord has. And that's where the problem is. Because God is in control. He is the same yesterday, today. He doesn't change his word. But sometimes for us, we do not give him all of us. We give him a part of our life. But there is a path that we want to hold on to. Uh, my life was a typical example. Before I trusted the Lord, my Savior, my Lord and Savior, the first time I went forward in my life was up at ET pastor, and Lucius was preaching up there. 
and he preached a message and I could see myself going straight to hell. And when the altar call came, I went forward and I said, then I walked down, I said, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. Who wants to go to hell? If you got any idea of what hell is like. And the scripture is quite clear what it's like. I said, but there is an area in my life, Lord, you ain't got to bother with that. I can handle that. But I can't handle getting myself over hell. So you save me from hell and I'll do the rest. So I came away from there feeling pretty good. But in a matter of six weeks, two months, I was doing the same thing all over again. Because I was never saved. And the reason why I wasn't saved is because God don't want a part of us. He wants all of us. All of us. So, we need to recognize then that when we commit to God, we give him all our innermost being so that he can use us. He is the potter. We are the clay. And he has the right. Give him the right. He has it, but we, we need to relinquish our rights to him because he made us free moral agents, right? And if he made us free moral agents, then we can choose what we do. I mean, we do not, don't we? So we need to be very careful. Listen, listen to what our Psalm 56 verse 4 says. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere men or one version says mortal? What can man do to me or what can mortal do to me when God is in control? When we allow him to be in control of our lives? When we surrender to him? What can mere mortal do to me? Question is, what what is the worst thing that man can do to you? What would you consider the worst thing that man can do to you? Take your health. They can they can they can take your life. Yeah. The health will live beyond health. You can imagine living healthy and not I uh, know not living healthy but living and not in good health just like you're about to die. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty bad. That's that's torture, as you say. But at the same time, you as long as breath is in your body, you got time to repent, right? But when the breath leaves your body, the state you find yourself in, you're gonna remain for all eternity. So they may kill you, but if you are if you are the Lord, they can't do anything else to you. As the word of God says they can kill the body, but they can't kill the soul. Say God, who can destroy both soul and body? Not man, not mere mortal, because they they can't do anything to you unless God allows it. Psalm one one eight verse six says, "The Lord is with me; I will not be afraid." What can their mortals do to me. And we need to be able to ask ourselves 
those questions and answer it honestly. And the only way you're going to be able to answer that honestly is first to start off where you are. Make sure you are where you should be in the Lord. Listen to verse 2. It says, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. I don't have to worry about stumbling, but the Lord is going to pick me up. But for the wicked, they stumble and they fall. And there's no one to pick them up. When the wicked advance against me to devour me or destroy me or to slay me, it is my enemy and my foes who will stumble and fall. Listen to Psalm 9 verse 3. My enemies turn my enemies turn back. They stumble and they perish before you. In other words, when you are on the side of the Lord, you will see your enemies not only stumble, but they will fall before you. And it isn't your strength. It isn't what you are doing. It is because of whose you are. Let's look at 37, 24. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. I'm talking about the righteous now. We may stumble, but we will not fall. But for the wicked, they stumble and fall. Okay? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. When you know that the Lord is holding you by your right hand or by his right hand, you have no need to fear what mere man can do yes, to you. Yes, sir. I see that. Uh, I was depressed. This was yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. I don't watch TV and at the same time I watch TV, uh, encouraging, I receive encouraging, encouraging message from TV at the time. It was uh, Sesame Street. Big word out of broken arm, a, a sprained arm, and, and they're saying she can do a lot of things like read a book with arm. I was thinking, boy, I got a bad foot. I can't do much with a bad foot. And then that is like, I've been encouraged to the television program. But I'm not saying what you're talking about. Yes. A lot of older news. You, 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 like you, 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 you can be encouraged, but we got to be careful because it could start off encouraging you, some of these programs. But then by the time it gets to the end, you may be more depressed than when you started. <laughs> So you got to be careful, you know, where you start off. Verse 3 says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Can you imagine 
can you imagine an army surrounding you and you know that their only desire is to destroy you? The only way you can find peace is to have not only the peace of God, but the peace with God. Knowing that, number one, you're in the will of God. And if you're in the will of God, then all the armies in the world can't touch you. You know what I think of when you said that? They were at some famous men and honest men killed 800 men one time. But that's, that, 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 that's small to compare with the angel of the Lord. Not even the Lord, just the angel of the Lord. Well, the angel of the Lord, when it says the angel of the Lord in scripture, normally is talking about Jesus Christ. Because you have angels, but when it's mentioned the word the angel of the Lord, it's talking about Jesus Christ, the incarnate Jesus, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I still have to say, uh, you know, if 800 men are coming after me, uh, standing on fight might be one of the last thing I think you're going to do it. Well, that's true, but you may not be able to run me. So you need somebody greater than your feet. Oh, not that <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, 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 you don't don't put your trust your trust in horses, okay, or ch chariots. You, we need to make sure our trust is in Him. But He says, though an army besiege me, they, they they have me surrounded, my heart will not fear. I love that, and I love to be able to be there. I, I, I cannot say as much as I'd like to say today if an army, and it don't have to be an army, it could be uh, six men my size surrounding me. If, if I'm not careful, I will give in to Satan. But if God is on your side, let's look at Psalm 3 verse 6. It says, I will not fret though uh, 10,000. Not, not 10, well, it could be 10,000, but let's just think of that figure. 10,000 assails me on every side. In other words, there's no way to escape. They will not be afraid. Genesis 4 verse 7 says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is what is not, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. In other words, fear is something that we need to make sure that we overcome. And what causes fear? Losing something? Well, I mean, you could lose something and you'd be fearful that you're not going to get back. But why, why are we Afraid? Why is why 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 
snares a snap straight from the devil. But you, again, it goes back to where I started this morning. You need to have a relationship with your God. And I'm talking about the God of the universe because there are many gods. Yes, sir. Another book called Rodan Fears, false evidence of being real. That's right. That's exactly what it is. It looks real, but it doesn't necessarily have to be real. Okay? If you remember this scripture in Genesis, it was Cain and Abel. And you remember, Cain was not happy that God did not receive his offering. And God was, this is exactly what God was saying to him. If you do what's right, will you not be accepted or what you bring to me? Don't you realize that it would have been accepted? But if you do not do what is right, in other words, he wasn't doing what was right. Sin. It's crouching at your door. That's why we don't do right. I mean, sin crouching at your door. You're allowing sin to control your life. And it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, it, it's not only crouching at your door. It is desirous of having you, controlling you. But you must rule away. I'll let you answer that. You made a quote this morning, and everybody agree with you. The things you want to do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. And then how I supposed to rule over it? Don't let it. Don't do what it wants you to do. Follow the way. Be. You said something to me earlier before we got started. And what I told you, I said, I didn't say that, I said, that's what the word says. Remember what it was? Yes. Tell the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Be obedient to the Lord. And you... That's, that's what the Lord requires. Yes! Of all of us. Honor God. You if, if you're doing what you want to do, because you could do it, that's not necessarily I, I, honoring God. That, that quotation I looked up in the Bible that day. God was speaking, he said, for them that honor me, I will honor them. Definitely. And they are despised me, should be like they are still. Right. I, 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 I quoted that to you, I can't recall how many times. That's a fact. Though war break out against me, even then, I will be confident. Confident in what? The war? In my strength? In the army that I put together? No. I am confident in the God of the universe. The one who spoke 
this world into being. Nothing or no one can touch a child of God who is walking in the way of the Lord unless he gets permission from God. Job is a perfect example. Job didn't know what was going on. But Satan asked permission because he couldn't touch him. Couldn't touch Job. Job was prospering and everything that he touched seemed to turn to gold. And God gave him permission and says, you, you go ahead. But you can't kill him. You can do whatever you want to with everything he has. But don't touch him. That's the first thing. And he came back. Satan came back. Because he says, you know, skin for skin. In other words, they only things. Before it was because God was blessing him. But now he says, skin for skin. Let me touch him. And then he'll curse you to your faith. God said, go ahead. Yeah. But Job came, Job was heard to say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And that's 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 where God wants all of us to be. Where we put so much confidence in him, we know that if he slay us, it's for our good and his glory. Now that doesn't just happen. You have to build a relationship with God in order for that to happen. So, we continue, verse 4. It says, One thing I ask of the Lord, I love this. This only do I ask or seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. Is that why we come and congregation? congregate together? Is that the reason why we pick up the word of God to gaze in it and to ask of the Lord to seek him and to dwell in his presence? Each of us need to be able to answer that and only only you can answer that for yourself. No one else can. Remember in Luke chapter 10 Mary Jesus was being entertained at Mary and Martha's house. And back last Sunday, Pastor Wall talked about this, or Sunday before. He, he was talking about, you know, whether or not what Mary did was right, or which was best, or what 
Martha did. Martha was preparing a meal for everybody. But Mary was sitting down. The difference is, where was she seated? And that's what, that's what this psalm is talking about. Being at his feet. What? Martha, remember what Martha said to, to, to Jesus? He said, Lord, I'm, I'm working. I'm busy. I'm trying to prepare, prepare me. Remember, we are reminded over and over that we can be busy with a lot of stuff. But it doesn't necessarily have to be what God would have us to be busy with. Listen to how Jesus answered this. And this is what I was trying to say. That was last Sunday or Sunday before. When Brother Royal mentioned this. It says, but few things are needed. Jesus speaking. Or indeed, only one thing is needed or necessary. And Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. You in the kitchen cooking, threatening, preparing food. Where are you with the Lord? Mary chose the better part, Jesus said. And you are not, I'm not going to disrupt this for her to take care of food, even if you're feeding me because I don't need it. Remember what I did to the five loaves and two small fish? You know how many thousands fed? You were in about food. You were in about preparing food. If you are seated at the feet of Jesus, you won't get hungry. You won't get thirsty. Now, please, don't take that literally. But I can say without a shadow of doubt, when I am in close relationship with him, or even in my work helping people, directing them to Jesus Christ, I could go from 8 o'clock in the morning till 9 and night and don't take a break. One right after the other. And don't even feel hungry. But let me go on vacation. I gotta have three meals a day and snacks in between. And that, that's, that's a fact. Remember Jesus himself said when he was at the well woman at the well when the disciples came back and offered him food Jesus said I'm not hungry and their, their concern was did somebody give him something to eat well Jesus quickly cleared that up he said I had food that you know not of I did the will of my father I'm not hungry anymore that woman that had how many husbands five I was able to deal with her. I'm full. But not only that, the whole the whole community is coming up to hear the word 
from my father. I have done what God has sent me to do, and I'm not hungry. Even after they went and bought food. That 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 can I have proven that over and over and over again. I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Do we appreciate being in the presence of God like Mary was as she sat at the feet Jesus listening to his word are we do our hearts growing within us the way the men on the road to uh, what's, what's the name the Damascus not Damascus no. Emmaus yes Remember what the disciple says? How our hearts burn within us as he shared the scriptures with us. That's the way it should be. Psalm 23 6 says, When we are in the presence of God, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not for time alone, but for all eternity. And why I want to be in the house of the Lord to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. There must be a purpose. And I always well, I always quote this because I am challenged by it. When we do whatever it is we do what is the motive? Why are we doing whatever it is that we do? Is it to bring honor and glory to God? Is it to be recognized by our fellow believers? Is it to impress the world? What? Again, I can't answer that for you, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit to search us. Search me, O God. Know my thoughts. Try me and see if there be any wrong motive within me. What is my motive?
I'd like to leave that thought with you this morning. Why do I do what I do? Shall we pray? Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for your word, which is quick and powerful and sharp. And I, I, I just thank you, Lord, that these, these words that are not new, we could quote them from our hearts. Psalm 27. Most of us know the majority of Psalm 27 by heart. But Lord, I, I pray that you will break up the fallow ground within us and cause, cause us to be able to produce and bring forth much fruit. And that you will get the glory, the honor, and the praises. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.